welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. So we've been talking about the fact that we communicate anger a lot of different ways. We say it a lot of different ways. And so I've been trying to go back and pick up some of the ways we say it. Some of them are a little older. Some of them are newer. Uh, We've been using some that I've never even heard. I bet you've never even heard some of these. But let's try again. So here's some old ways we can say that we're angry. We communicate our anger by saying this. I'm fired up. Anybody? Okay. I'm steamed. That grinds my gears. I like that one. I, didn't, I haven't used it, but I like it. I'm going to start using that one. Uh, I'm graded. That's a, that's, a, that's a newer one. I'm grated. Um, this one I've never heard, but I guess it means I'm not tripping, triffing. I'm tri- Okay, don't know. Don't, all I know is I'm going into the rap business after this series because I'm going to know all the lingo. So it doesn't really matter how you say it. What matters, we've determined, is what you do once you experience anger. Because if you don't deal with anger correctly, then you destroy. So we've been trying to do this. We've been trying to move from being mad, because right now in our, in our society right now, everybody's mad. Have you figured it out? It don't matter which wing you're on, everybody's mad. They just meet in the middle and be mad at everybody. So we're trying to move from being mad to being mad, making a difference. We want to be able to make a difference. And so we begin to learn lessons from the account found in 2 Samuel chapter 23, which is the account of the men who came and connected themselves to David. You will remember uh, how they were described to hope out of 1 Samuel chapter 22. Uh, I said we were learning out of 2 Samuel chapter 23, and we are, but they're described in 1 Samuel chapter 22 like this. David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gather around him, and he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. Another version says it like this. There were men who were in some kind of trouble, Men who owed a lot of money and men who were just not satisfied with life. Met anybody recently that doesn't seem to be satisfied with life? Another version says they were bitter about life. One preacher I've heard says like this, that he said they were broke, busted, and disgusted. And so we've been talking about these guys because somehow, some way, these uh, 400 men and the 30 that are listed in particular, somehow, some way, they move from being angry, being mad, to now when we get to 2 Samuel, we discover that they make a difference. They, they cause change to happen. Somehow they graduated, and we want to graduate to that. So today, I want you to join me. In 2 Samuel, yes, I've been waiting all my, I I first discovered this story back in college and I preached it a hundred, no, not probably five, ten times. It's my favorite account in the entire Bible. I'm so excited. Today's the day. So I'm not here for you. I'm here for me just so I get to talk about my, okay, 2 Samuel chapter 23, beginning of verse 18 down through verse 19 says this, Joab's brother Abishai. Zariah's son was the leader of the 30. He used his spear to kill 300 men. He was as famous as the three and was honored more than they were. 
So he became their captain, but he didn't become a member of the three. So there it is, my favorite character in the entire Bible. And you're going, what's the big deal, man? We've read, we read last week about Shema who stood in the pea patch. And we've, we've talked about all these other guys that have done all this stuff. And yet we're going to talk about Abishai. And the only thing it tells us is that he killed 300 men, which is pretty significant, by the way, killing 300 men by yourself with a spear. But anyway, that's, that's, not, that's not where I'm going. So, so, he's my, so it doesn't seem like he made that big a difference, but you got to dig. Come on, touch your neighbor and let's have red, red beads on and say, you got to dig. All right? So, so you got to dig and you got to go deeper and you got to discover that even though uh, he was the leader of the mighty men, even though he was uh, honored more than the three greatest, there's something else going on here. And that's where we're going today. Now, um, he moved from being mad to making a difference. There are a lot of passages of scripture you got to go to, to dig. I'm not going to read them all to you. I've listed them for you. Down at the bottom of your notes, there's an asterisk. I want you to go back and read these for yourself just to make sure I'm telling you the truth. All right, but here they are. I'm just going to reference them. Then I'm going to tell you the story. Uh, we, we read in 2 Samuel chapter 23 what he's done, but he also is mentioned in 1 Chronicles chapter 2, verses 13 through 16, 1 Samuel chapter 26, verse 6 through 9, 2 Samuel chapter 23, 18, 19, which we just read, 2 Samuel chapter 16, verse 5 through 10, and also 2 Samuel chapter 19, verse 14 through 23, and then again in 1 Chronicles 18, 12. There's your assignment this week. All right, go back and read. So here's the story. I can see in my mind this young man as he leans over and he looks into the face of this radiant but exhausted young lady who has just given him the best gift that you could give a man in those days, a son. This man looks at this little boy that's now resting after the struggle of birth on his mother's chest. And he looks at this little boy and he sees in that little boy his entire lineage, his, his, his bloodline is wrapped up in this little boy. And the new father looks at the new mother and he looks into her eyes and it's almost as, she's, as if she's questioning him. She doesn't say anything, but she, with her eyes, you know, ladies can communicate with their eyes, by the way, that's free, but uh, she communicates with her eyes that she's kind of questioning him. Are you sure you really want to do this? Are you certain about this? And without hesitation, this new dad nods his head, leans over and puts his hand on this little boy and he whispers with force this pronouncement, his name will be... Abishai. And in that moment, the gears of destiny begin to turn. Strings are beginning to be pulled that we can't even see yet. And all of a sudden, because of the pronouncement of that name, all of these things are set into motion because Abishai means the father of a gift. Now, I think it began immediately. It was inevitable. It was caused by the name. I think Abishai began to hear his name whispered on the streets. I think when he went to the playground, he couldn't help it. He would hear other kids whispering his name. I think maybe perhaps even on the first day, every year of school, when he would walk into the, this, the classroom and the teachers would let people, let the kids, what's your name? What's your name? Stand up and tell us about yourself. When it would get to Abishai and he would stand up and say, my name is Abishai. I think the teacher stopped the, the whole thing and said, your name is what? And he'd say, Abishai. And she would go, then what's your gift? I think maybe on the playgrounds, the little boys, the other little boys would taunt him with this name. Your name is Abishai. What's your gift? So I think it was inevitable that Abishai starts trying to show them 
what his gift is. In fact, if you go and read the verses of scripture that I've highlighted for you, what you discover is that at least on five different occasions from, from uh, th that early days until later in his life, Abishai is con constantly trying to give his gift. The first one we discover is when David, who is running for his life from a madman by the name of Saul, who is the king, David takes Abishai with him and they slip into Saul's camp. Saul doesn't know they're there. Saul's armies are all around him, but Saul is sound asleep. He's sleeping so soundly that he doesn't even know it that David slides in under the cover of darkness and he gets up next to the sleeping king and he cuts the corner of his robe off and he takes his spear and his water bucket and he walks back outside a camp and somebody by the name of Abishai says, hey, let me kill Saul and you will become the next king. What's he doing? He's trying to give his gifts. The, the second and third instances we see in Abishai's life are very similar. They're, they're discovered after David has already been made king. David is now king, but there's a problem. He's got a son by the name of Absalom. Absalom rebels against David and thinks he can be a better king than his dad. So rather than going into war against his own son, David leaves. He leaves the castle. He leaves the palace. He leaves town. And on the way out of town, there's this guy standing on the side of the road by the name of Shimei. And Shimei sees David coming out defeated because he's leaving the throne. And Shimei picks up rocks and he begins to throw them at David. And he begins to insult David. And somebody steps up and says, let me kill him. Guess who? Abishai. He's trying to give his gift. Absalom is killed. David comes back into power. He's walking back towards the palace. And Shimei meets him on the road, recognizing, man, I made fun of this dude. And now he's back in power. I'm probably in trouble. So Shimei comes back to the road where he'd cursed David before. And he begs for David's forgiveness. Guess who shows up? Abishai says, I got this. I'll take care of this joker right here. And... He's wanting to give his gift. Those are three of the instances. There are others. Uh, another instance is, on, uh, is this, is, is the one I read to you. Uh, in 2 Samuel chapter 23, the Bible says that Abishai killed 300 men all by his lonesome. Think about that, with a spear. That's not an easy task. And then you go on and you read and you begin to dig and you also discover that finally in 1 Chronicles chapter 18, the Bible says that Abishai leads an army. He's the commander. He's the one responsible for the tactics. He's the one responsible for the charge. In 1 Chronicles, it tells us that he kills, leading this army, 18,000 men trying to give his gift. And then... There's a final account that I'll read to you in a moment that is the one that seals the deal, but I can't go there yet because there are lessons that we can learn out of Abishai's life to this point that will teach us how to move from being mad to making a difference. The first thing I want to teach you is this, and, and I know this may seem odd, but the lesson in this account, these accounts is this, is that you are Abishai. Now you say, wait a minute. My name is not Abishai. I don't even know how to spell Abishai. 
Some of y'all look on the screen because it's spelled for you right there, all right? You're trying to fill in the blank and you're like, hooked on phonics. I still can't get it. Abishai, all right? So, so you go, wait a minute. What, how, how is that even possible? Because I know another truth out of God's word and it is this, that God is no respecter of persons. That means, therefore, what was true for Abishai can also be true of us. And what I'm saying to you this morning is that you have a gift that you can give. That's why... Uh, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, Peter says this so emphatically. He, he makes this statement. He says, as each of you has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. As you have been given a gift, as each of you have received a gift. This is not if you have a gift. Peter says you have been given a gift. It's set in place. You, it's a certainty. There's nobody that's exempt from that statement right there. He says, you have a gift. He could have simply said, your name is Abishai. And then he, he, he says, use that gift. You are Abishai. Every person under the sound of my voice has a gift inside of them that God has deposited in you that if you will allow him to, he can take that gift and he can allow you to use that gift to make a difference somewhere. Our gifts don't look the same. They don't accomplish all the same things, but you are gifted. You are not exempt. Get back in the game. Get back in the fight. Get back on the field. Get off the side. Guidelines. You have a gift. You are Abishai. Come on. Come on. Find your gift and give it. The second, the second lesson I think that's important is as you read this, especially when Abishai deals with uh, David's situation with Saul and as Abishai deals with the situation with Shimei, in, in all three occasions, on all three occasions, I, I think it's important to recognize that Abishai asked before he struck. Before he tries to kill Saul, he asks David's permission. Before he tries to take uh, exact revenge on Shimei, he asks permission. And I think that is an important lesson for us because I think the lesson in that is this, and, and is this, teachable is more important than talented. So you got to ask the question, did Abishai have the ability to kill Saul? You better believe it. He killed 300 all by himself. He could have done it if, he, if David had said yes, right? Could David, could, could Abishai have taken on Shimei and come out victorious? You better believe it. It wouldn't even have been a close match. Shimei is using rocks. But Abishai is trained in warfare. It would have been an easy contest. And yet, this, so this is not a question of skill. This is not a question of talent. This is a question about whether or not you're teachable or not. And, and so Abishai had all this talent and all this ability, but he had the ability to understand that the king's approval is more important to me than my talent. I see so many talented people who don't understand this lesson right here. In fact, I, I, I think it makes a huge difference that, that, that we, we've, got, we've got to make sure we know this account and understand this lesson because if we're not careful, our talent goes to our head. But if we're unteachable, then that talent gets us in trouble. 
Y'all don't know? You haven't experienced this? I've experienced this right here. Uh, man, the, the, the parents are really excited to hear this message right here. They're bunching their kids right now saying, listen to this. Only issue is as adults, we miss this too. In fact, I had a conversation with a, an extremely gifted young man uh, several months ago, and we were having this discussion, and uh, my jaw hit the floor when he made this statement to me, and he was in all seriousness. Now, this is a gifted young man. He's got unlimited potential. He's got all this, this talent, and, and we're having this discussion, and my jaw hits the floor because he says to me, I don't need to learn anything else. I know all I need to know. And I'm sitting here, 20 years older than him, going, you are out of your mind. In fact, what I recognized in that moment, as his unlimited, talented, and gifted as he is, his unteachableness now becomes the cap or the lid that will keep him from being able to accomplish everything that God wants him to accomplish unless he can learn to be teachable in the process. Can I tell you this morning that teachable plus talented is a world-changing combination? Can I tell you that if you're, and some of you are, you're the most talented person in the room in your area. With your gift, you're more talented than any other person that ever walks into the room. But if you can combine that and connect that with a teachable spirit, then your gift can cause you to impact the masses and you can bring about change worldwide rather than just in your little circle. But if you're not teachable, then can I remind you that the lack of teachability leads to this issue called pride. And can I remind you what scripture says about pride? What comes after pride? A fall. It gets worse from there. Because have you ever been seen anybody come to the place in their life where it gets to this point? The Bible says that God is actually working against the proud. He opposes the proud. You think it's bad enough that the enemy of our soul's working against you? If you are too proud, it gets worse because God Himself will resist you. How do you keep that from happening? You learn the lesson of Abishai, and even as, as talented as you are, you stay teachable. Well, I'm the best, fill it in. I'm the best musician on the planet, be teachable. I'm the best speaker on the planet, be teachable. I'm the best usher on the planet, be teachable. I'm the best computer person at my job, be teachable. I'm the best construction, what, I'm the best teacher, I'm the best, what, uh, whatever it is, be teachable. Learn the lesson from Abishai. You may have all the skill in the world, but you better be teachable. The, the third thing that I want to point out to you is this, is that I, I notice as I read about Abishai, you've got to connect the dots. He continues to develop and fine-tune his craft. See, see you've got to read, you've got to understand that he has been elevated. He excels. He, he is being promoted, right? But he continues to develop his skill. In other words, the way I'm saying it to you today is like this. Practice until promoted. And then practice after promoted. 
See, see, before he was promoted, he, he, he's doing all this stuff. In fact, Scripture says it like this, that he's elevated to the commander of the mighty men, and it was by such feats that he earned a reputation equal to the three, though he was not actually one of them, but he was the greatest of the 30, the top-ranking officers of the army, and he was their leader. So there's this progression that even though he's been practicing, I'm practicing, and now I'm promoted to be the greatest of the 30, and I'm the leader of the 30, and I'm equal to the three, but I'm not one of them. He never stops working to get better. And my concern for some of us is this, is we sit around and we're angry and we're mad, but we don't make any difference because we won't practice before we're promoted. I, I, I want to make a difference. I've got this gift inside of me, but I'm just going to sit here and wait on God and then God's waiting on us and we don't practice and we don't fine tune and we don't excel. And so then the opportunity comes along and we're not ready. Can't get no help up in here. The bear shows up and we're not ready. The lion shows up and we're not ready. The giant shows up and we're not ready. And so then the opportunity is missed. Or here's the other, here's the other sticking point. Some of us have actually been promoted. And once we're promoted, we, we live on, we rest on our laurels. Have you ever heard that statement? We settle and say, well, now I'm the best of the best. And I don't have to keep working at this craft. I don't have to get any better. I don't have to excel any further. And now because we don't practice after promoted, there are other opportunities that come along and we're passed over. Come on, but apply this to your own life, y'all. Apply this to the fact that it's your work. Some of you won't practice, but you want to be promoted. And you wonder why you never are. And then some of you apply this to your work. Some of you've been promoted, but once you got promoted, you've never learned anything else. And now other promotions are out there, but you can't get them. Come on, apply it to school. Apply it. Apply to life. Apply to this understanding that Abishai shows us that we must continue to work on our gift and our skill. So why? Because, because the day's coming when the opportunity's going to come. This isn't some sleeping king opportunity. This isn't some Shimei opportunity. This is a 300 mighty men coming against me that I got to be able to defeat opportunity. And the only way I can do that is if I continue to practice and get better. And then we roll in. If, if Abishai didn't teach us any other lessons but those, they would be enough. But there's one last lesson he teaches us. And this is it for me. This is the one that made it my favorite account in all of the Bible. Because you read it in 2 Samuel chapter 21. If I was Paul Harvey, some of y'all don't know who that is. But I would say this is the rest of the story. All right. Some of the young, young folks are like, Paul Harvey. Who's Paul Harvey? You wouldn't know. He was on the radio. Never mind. Um, he wasn't on a podcast. He was on, okay. Um, Second Samuel chapter 21. Listen carefully. Once when the Philistines were at war with Israel and David and his men were in the thick of battle, David became weak and exhausted. Ishbi Banab. That's a great name. Ishbabinab, a giant whose spear tip weighed more than 12 pounds and who was sporting a new suit of armor, closed in on David and was about to kill him. And my favorite passage right here, but Abishai. 
But Abishai, the son of, son of Zariah, came to his rescue and killed the Philistine. And after that, David's men declared, you are not going out to battle again. Why should we risk snuffing out the light of Israel? One of the versions says this about Abishai's gift right here. It says that they wouldn't let David. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.